there's an evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And and what defines these evolutions is never so clear at the time that it's happening. But I think in this specific time, it is very clear, right? We are moving away from traditional retail and into an omni-channel experience that none of us really had before or were thinking it was going to happen as quickly as it is. Welcome to the Intersection of People and Technology podcast, a show where you get to listen in on curious conversations about people and technology and how they come together at retail. I like to say we're about innovations and explanations. I'm Telsey Storallo. And I'm Chris Green. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Al Pozo. And we Harold have, Edwards. Yeah, and Harold Edwards is the VP of Business Development at T-Rock, and Al Pozo is the COO and General Manager for T-Rock. I'm really excited to have you both on the show today, gentlemen. Welcome. Very happy to be here. Al, I like your promotion that Telsey's just gave you to COO of T-Rock. I think that's good. I mean, <laughs> I only knew that you ran T-Rock International, but now I see that you run all of T-Rock. That's good news. <laughs> I'm very happy and very busy with just international, but I'm always willing to lend a hand to anyone willing to have it. But we would like to start with Harold. Harold, we would love to hear your experience in technology and working with people and how you got to where you're at today. Okay, I'm going to give you the uh, Cliff Notes version um, because, you know, this actually started over 30 years ago. Um, you know, I, first of all, I've always had a passion for technology going all the way back to my 10-year uh, career in the uh, U.S. Reserves. And, um, you know, that experience was in telecom and computer maintenance. Um, you know, but uh, let me uh, fast forward a bit. Um, hey, Harold, this is Chris. Let me ask you something about that, though, um, quickly. I, I actually never knew you were in the U.S. Reserves. How long did you serve for? What did you do? I, I was in the Air Force Reserves for 10 years. Um, I had an opportunity to spend uh, time in uh, telephone switching, where I uh, supported uh, tactical switchboards for the 919th Special Operations Group at Eglin Air Force Base uh, here in Florida. And uh, I also was um, on the team that installed the first DMS-100 digital switch uh, at Eglin Air Force Base, which happened to be the first digital switch installed in the United States. So that was, uh, that was a pretty exciting accomplishment and opportunity. Uh, also got to rip out the old XY and step-by-step -step mechanical switches um, in what was a huge central office. Um, and um, the new DMS-100 uh, could fit in the trunk of my car. So, Harold, I mean, just learning about that right now, even though I've known you now for over a year, pretty amazing experience uh, to start in the telecommunications space in, in the Air Force, I would imagine. Right? It, it was. It, it absolutely was. It was a great experience. And uh, it led to what I wanted to do after college, uh, which was, um, you know, joining a, a computer software company. Uh, and, um, you know, we had a great time developing uh, financial accounting uh, solutions for uh, the furniture and appliance industry. Uh, and, and believe me, I got to wear all hats. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, pretty exciting to do marketing, sales, support, 
Uh, if you've heard of Novell, I got to install that. Uh, and we did training as well and a little bit of software development. But Chris, the biggest challenge was trying to figure out how to do that with a 1200 baud modem. It was rough. So Harold, I can't even begin to imagine, but I've got to ask you this question, right? You start in the Air Force and the discipline and, and rigidity of all the things that I can only imagine come along with that kind of training. And you then go to arguably the most com successful computer company ever, right? Apple, and free known for creating bold ideas and innovation. How do the two compare, right? How do those two experiences intersect for you? <laughs> well, um, uh, first of all, my VP when I was uh, at Apple, um, he was uh, also in the reserves. Uh, and he was a commander over, um, uh, over it, it, it's hard to explain, but he was responsible for uh, security and, um, uh, and he did some other things when it came to um, uh, uh, getting uh, sensitive and classified information uh, and, you know, the ability to uh, use that um, you know, to, you know, it's just military. So stuff, I'm right. hearing highly Sounds classified, like highly classified information, right? Civilians you know, could not tell know you, the but then he'll have to kill you. <laughs> Al, is this the same kind of experience you had with Apple as well? I mean, that's one of the things that Telsey and I really wanted to get into today is both of you guys have come from this Apple background, which obviously from an outsider looking in a civilian mind looking in <laughs> an FSU, non FSU trained civilian mind, I may add. So there's a lot of similarities there, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, you know, it, it's interesting because Harold and I started within months of each other at Apple and worked together for the better part of five to 10 years almost. And uh, so, so we're very familiar with, with each other, but I think our perspective may be a little bit different on, on what Apple meant to us. Uh, for me, it, it really was very eye-opening for the people I worked with, not so much the product I worked with. And uh, it, it, it was a really fun experience, but a very hard experience because the attention to detail and the, the, the strategy and, and creating the, how we wanted to communicate our product was really was the biggest learning for me. And, and I think that's what really sets Apple apart is that there's thought to just about everything that you do, not just in the product side, but also in the commercial side. And um, it, it, it changed retail as I knew it, and I had experience uh, in retail for quite some time. I was only two years old when Harold started his career. <laughs> <laughs> some are faster learners but, than uh, others. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I've, I've been in the retail and sales and telecom industry for 25 years myself. And, and uh, I started at Cellular One in, in Florida when just to you know, get a job to put myself through college. And, uh, and I think that's really, it was a very nascent time in the industry. There wasn't uh, you know, a, a big wide uh, user base. And at the time we were really selling very high and product to you know a, a very small a small uh, target audience. So it, that retail scenario it, at the time really was one that was very unique, but it wasn't as much of an experience as what I learned later saw 
at Apple and uh, how we created that not just in, in the Apple retail environment, but also in our partner environment, which is really where the people piece of it, that when we talk about technology and people and, and, at T-Rock, where the people piece really becomes much more relevant is how you get others to represent a brand, how you get others to understand the value, how do you get others to see benefit in product as opposed to features. And um, th those really were my biggest takeaways. Uh, I ran a couple of different things while I was at Apple. Actually, Harold and I worked together side by side within my, my, first, uh, my first role at Apple. I was the B2B regional lead for enterprise, and Harold was a B2B regional lead for small business within the Southeast, so we, we saw each other on a daily. I went on to lead the, the Sprint team for our relationship with Sprint, and then towards the end of my, my stint at Apple, I led a uh, partnership program for the LATAM region. So there was a lot of different, a lot of different uh, muscles that you used, a lot of different levers that you had access to. And in all those three different things, one being enterprise, the other one being retail and carrier relationships, and the last one being partnerships, people always came as a big part of what we were trying to focus on. Who and why would someone purchase and work with an Apple product? Not so much as how can we position the Apple product. So you were always take you were, I'm trying to put this in my own words, right? To mm -hmm. make sure I'm taking back what you're saying. Apple's philosophy and approach was, how do other people view, well, how will other people view our product and therefore how do we make it best for them? Is that what you're saying? Is that? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that you learn quickly at Apple is that the customer experience is paramount. It's what is their experience with your product as opposed to what is the product and its features. You know, if you're looking at cameras, you don't talk about megapixels. You talk about what it is that you're gonna, a person's going to do and kind of images they're going to capture. Where are they when they're capturing an image and, and how they actually use that in their lives? And that's what you market. That's what you promote. You don't promote, you know, the, the, the bits and sizes of, of, a, of a specific product. You talk about what their experience was. If you talk about music, you know, you don't talk like about the speaker. relational marketing. Exactly. Yeah, you don't it's talk, relational marketing for sure. Mm -hmm. You don't talk about the sound. You don't talk about the speaker. You talk about the experience that music brings to your life. And, and Harold, in your experience, is that the same or how would you describe that? experience with Apple from your perspective? What I loved about Apple is that uh, its most important uh, assets were its people. Uh, and uh, Tim Cook always made a point to uh, stress that. Um, and, and, you know, I, I really appreciated that. I, you know, all the way back to my first interview with the recruiter, um, you know, when I remembered him calling me about the uh, iPhone sales position, I mean, I laughed. I mean, I, I thought I was being punked. I said, Apple doesn't have carrier sales reps. Uh, and you know, it was, um, I, I was one of those that thought that, um, you know, it, why do you need people to sell Apple products? I mean, they, they sell themselves. Um, but in actuality, they don't, uh, especially uh, the programs that, uh, that we were able to put in place um, you know, it, for me, it was a great opportunity uh, because I was able to leverage the 25 years uh, that, uh, that I had in wireless. Uh, and, um, you know, I was in three jobs at Apple. And what was interesting is that every one of the jobs that I was in, uh, it had never existed before. So I was able to start uh, literally with a blank canvas 
Um, and you know what? Uh, I was basically told, you know what? Um, you know, make it yours. Um, you know, um, we hired you because you know what you're doing. Uh, I know that Steve Jobs used to say that, um, you know, uh, we don't hire smart people uh, and tell them what to do. We hire smart people and, you know, let them tell us what to do. Uh, so, you know, it, it was um, a, a great opportunity for me. Um, you know, my biggest, um, you know, uh, opportunity that I had was to build a, uh, a carrier channel from the ground up. It was U.S. regional carriers, but there were over 40 of them. And once again, I got to wear all the hats. Um, and, you know, it was, it was extremely exciting. And over that seven-year period... Harold, let me ask, let me, let me interrupt you for a second. Harold, let me interrupt you and ask you, you and Al both, actually, I'll put the question out to both of you guys, right? You both describe how you had three different roles at Apple. I think three each, actually. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Interesting to me that both of you had three totally, maybe non-related non even roles within the same companies uh, within a similar amount of time. It seems almost like a best practice that Apple would move some of their you know, up and coming executives around a little bit uh, within the organization. So describe to me, I mean, I guess your, your biggest success while you were there. And did you find that to align with I guess the statement you just made, Apple hires smart people and lets them tell Apple what to do. Or is it something they told they, they took the initiative, they being someone else at Apple and said, hey, start this new initiative or program at Apple. Does that I, make sense? I think, I think it's purposeful to allow people to move in different directions in that they want talent to be driven to do more and to do different things. And that's not to say that there is an open door for people to move around all the time because one thing Apple is, is they are very keen on subject matter expertise. So if you're great at something, they don't necessarily want you to do some, go be less than great at something else within the organization. They would rather you be continue to be great at that one thing. But what, uh, and actually during the time that Harold and I worked together, one of the things that really um, highlighted us is uh, there is our birth of, of a program in, 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 uh, in basically getting customers to come and to our briefing centers. And I'll give you the quick history on this one because it really highlighted both of us in what we did that was different than our peers. When, when I was at Apple, there were four or five different briefing centers throughout the country. Uh, the, our closest one was in Virginia because the one in Atlanta had, had moved away. So part of my role was to bring large enterprise customers to these briefing centers, have them travel to and get, you know, very senior level people to spend a day or two outside of their day to day to come and listen to our, our um, you know, our experience and, and how we looked at the business. And as you know, getting someone who's with, with a very busy schedule is tough to, to take them away from their day. So in doing so, I started thinking and talking to Harold and talking to one of our sales engineers and, and coming up with ways that we could bring that briefing center experience to them. So what, what we ended up coming up with is creating this whole briefing center, but as opposed to being the destination, the briefing center being the actual, the, the, being the whole, the whole reason why somebody wants to talk to us is not the location, but the content 
So we started making these briefing centers mobile. We started making them, you know, local, and we started renting some of the most uh, unique places as opposed to a hotel ballroom. We started renting out museums and saying, you know, Apple, if we are a work of art, come listen to us and talk to us about what your business is like and let us tell you how we can cooperate with you. So this concept really grew. It became, you know, we had it in the southeast. It became a national program. It became an international global program for Apple. Wow. And, and that's something that is, I consider, one of my biggest success stories from that time. And it obviously highlighted both Harold and I to be considered for other opportunities. And that's something that I'm very proud to have done with Harold. And the fact that Harold and I are working together in this company, in T-Rock, I know that, you know, given the opportunities to just what the business is and how we can think outside the box, we can create things like that here at T-Rock. And one thing I'll say about what Brett has done with, with T-Rock and, and the organization that has a very strong parallel is the focus on people. You know, when I look at Chris, when I look at Telsus, when I look at all of our senior leadership, I, I look at people who are not just capable, but really forward thinking. And that's what's going to bring T-Rock to that next, you know, that next level in, in our business. And uh, really, that, that I think was the most meaningful time. To your point, there were three different positions. Those three different positions were born out of being innovative in the current one and taking, you know, like, like Harold said, all of them were startups. Start, I was a startup in, in every one of them, too. You know, my last position, I was running a region program that didn't exist before I got there either. And uh, really, really was a great experience as well. So I was listening, Harold, recently to Elon Musk give a talk about, you know, what does he do to hire and attract great talent? And what's his interviewing style and process like? And, and um, he was saying, look, I really just ask people to talk about themselves. And then I would love to hear kind of defining moments in their careers. And, and then I look for how did they handle that? So something interesting I'd love maybe you guys to touch on as we were talking about like intersections, right, is what, what's a defining moment in, in your career or what, or, or what do you see as a defining moment even in, in retail today? Are we in a defining moment today? Absolutely, and what are yeah. your thoughts around that? There's an evolution, right? <laughs> and, and what defines these evolutions is never so clear at the time that it's happening. But I think in this specific time, it is very clear, right? We are moving away from traditional retail and into an omni-channel experience that none of us really had before or were thinking it was going to happen as quickly as it is. I think in, as far as my career in retail, like I said, when I first started in, 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 uh, in telecom, there was a very unique product and a very unique target audience. And retail as such was not the experience that it turned out to be. Experiential retail became something huge in the last decade, right? And, and you saw companies not so much care about how their SKUs were portrayed, but how the customer you know, experienced the retail environment. You know, that's another big lesson that Apple taught us, right? Today, I think that retail has evolved into a point where that experience in retail and also the ease of use and the comfort and access of online shopping have merged. And, and in that, the virtuality of it all is extremely paramount. How I think is important to our company in T-Rock is because we're looking at that virtuality and we're seeing the other side of the the other side of the coin. We're seeing not just what the customer experience should be like from a retailer's perspective, but how are we as a retailer 
going to provide that experience in a virtual world. Virtual and are you world. seeing this from a, from a Latin American experience as well? I or? see this as global retail. I think retail right now is evolving everywhere. And, and that's what this last year has done, right? It, it has created a much faster track and, and an entry point to a highway that whether you are ready for it or not, you have to get on. And all retailers throughout the world. And, and what's great about my role in international is that because we're based here in the U.S., I get to experience all the U.S. retail uh, dynamics, but also constantly have conversations with European retailers, constantly have conversations with LATAM retailers. So you have developed markets, you have, you know, developing markets, and they all have one thing in common. How do we take advantage of the virtual world that e-retail is evolving into? And, and T-Rock has an answer for that, which is really what's exciting for me now. I love your passion around it. I got to yeah. be honest, right? Tell us, is exciting. it not awesome? Yeah, it's I mean, awesome. Yeah, I, and look, Al, I'd like to add to that. I mean, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, these are, uh, you know, these are literally uncommon senses uh, that, uh, that leaders need to have today. So we need to be able to, one, sense the moment. Uh, timing is everything. Uh, and then two, we need to be able to see around those corners. Uh, and you know what, uh, if you think about it a year ago, um, we had no idea uh, what we were gonna find ourselves in uh, a year later. Uh, but you know, here we are, we're, um, we're scrambling uh, with the latest uh, technologies, um, you know, creating a, a people and technology solution uh, that is really propelling retailers uh, into the future. Um, you know, what, what we have to do is we have to figure out where to meet the customer. And it probably isn't going to be within, you know, brick and mortar uh, stores uh, anymore. So um, I like the partnerships that we're developing, uh, the solutions that we're developing that are going to enable our clients uh, in order to meet the customers where they are, uh, and also, um, you know, provide uh, the technology uh, to um, communicate with those customers, because communication is critical. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, the customer has to be uh, at the center of everything that we do. Um, and um, you know, that's one of the things that I like about T Rock. I mean. Uh, when I was at Apple and I was faced with a very difficult situation as to how we were going to support a growing channel with thousands of points of distribution uh, and thousands uh, of frontline sellers, we partnered with T-Rock. And between T-Rock and Apple, we brought the best and the brightest people uh, together. Uh, and, um, you know, that... Um, you know, that was really exciting. And, you know, that uh, was one of my last roles uh, at, uh, at Apple before I began my journey uh, here with friendly and familiar faces at T-Rock. You know, something, something Harold just said just thought, brought something to mind. And, you know, as far as looking around the corners, right? That's where my head was at, too. I want to know, what's the next corner we're looking around, and how, what are your thoughts on that? So, so I, I think what's really interesting when you think about looking around the corner is that you don't lose sight of what you've already, you know, have walked down. That, that's, that road that you've already walked down, you can't 
necessarily assume that it's not going to be as relevant as it was before, which is why Viva is such a great, great thing for us because it doesn't ignore tradition. It also helps, you know, look around that corner from a virtual perspective. I'll talk about what is Viva a little bit, right? Explain that more. Oh, absolutely. And, and, And I think this is what we're all most excited about because, you know, our business has been a great business for our brand partners. But today, our business is going to be elevated because of people and technology. Traditionally, we are a people company and an integrated technology to help our people. I think we're moving so far north on on what technology means to our company. So Viva is an international brand. In, in, I'm sorry, in, in a virtual um, interactive brand ambassador, really software and platform that allows us to be everywhere with everyone. And and what I mean by that is that when we talk about omnichannel, what omnichannel means is that you're able to take advantage of a retailer's presence online. You're able to take advantage of a retailer's presence on the retail, traditional retail floor. And you're also able to have that interaction in different points of distribution. Viva meets all those points. Viva is a, a product that you could have a brand ambassador online through your website helping a live, a live agent helping a customer ask questions not just a regular chat bot that most people don't interact with as well with this is hacks access to a live human being being able to answer questions for you while you're online which is a, a very exciting thing because it parks back to traditional interactions that customers want and traditional experience that customers are used to but also you could take the today's environment and where you know there's limitations to the amount of people that can be in a retail floor you know within today's environment especially internationally you know we have the we have access to these live agents from a remote area and and i think that's incredibly dynamic because it helps people get the retail traditional brick and mortar retail experience without having to sacrifice the amount of help that you can provide across different points of distribution. So you, you could have either a live agent, you could have a, uh, a, a, a basically a, a, a not just a bot, not just a chat bot, but an interactive, engaging, you know, virtual person talk to you about specific questions about what's on the floor, what's in inventory, what's available to you as you're walking through the floor. And or you could just reach out to somebody who may not be present where you are by just you know down, by just pressing on a QR code link and having someone answer questions whether they're right in front of you they're in the other side of the store or they're in a completely different state and 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 Viva does all these things and it's, we don't do it justice by just speaking about it because experiencing it is so much more. So every time that we're talking to customers, we tell them, "Let me demo it for you. Let me let me tell you what Viva can mean to you, not what Viva means to us, but what what can it mean to you?" And I think really that's what what's great because, you know, when 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 I started this this answer, I I started thinking traditionally, after, you know, we go back to our new normal. I feel that when you're looking around the corner and and why you should keep looking back is because I feel that people are still going to want to go back to the store. People are going to want to go have a a relationship with somebody. They're going to want to be outside of their homes. A tactile experience. And they're going (laughs) to, exactly. They're going to want to speak to someone and, and actually go to a destination for product and services. 
And we shouldn't ignore that. And, and that's part of our people programs, right? And that's part of making the product come alive for a shopper with a much more, you know, touch feel type of scenario. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think we ignore tradition, but at the same time, we look to the future. And that's what's the great marriage about, you know, what T-Rox offers and services are today. And I spoke a lot. So Harold. <laughs> oh, I love the passion. I, 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 I know Telsey's does too. We love it. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. This is actually a great place to, I, we, ha, we like to have some fun on this podcast. And so um, one of the things we like to ask is these really fun questions. So we're going to ask you guys to um, have some fun with this. Since okay? I spoke a lot, Harold goes first. Yeah. Harold, Harold okay, these Harold are civilian questions. They're, they're civilian questions. <laughs> so not classified. And, you know, yeah, they're not classified information. Um, so we just like to have some fun and get, get to really, aside from all the conversation we just had, get to really understand your personalities and have some fun with it. So Harold, you're up first. Ready? What is your as long as you promise that you don't have to be present to win? Because I feel <laughs> a little disadvantaged out here. And well, it's not and, a competition. Um, I, I can tell you that there's a lot of winners, but Telsey's is the only loser because she's got to hang out with both of us, <laughs> Chris and true. I. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. So, so Harold, what is your superpower? Well, I touched on this earlier, and I, I think that that would be um, the super sense. Uh, having that super sense, the ability to sense the moment and see around corners. Yeah, it, it's it's all about perfect timing and knowing what's coming next. Read so, the room, you know, right? Read the room. Super sense. <laughs> all right. So, Al, what is your kryptonite? Uh, I think my kryptonite is having a predetermined outcome, you know, be handed to you. I, I think any any journey should have some sense of discovery, some sense of what's what can be done, as opposed to just a saying, you know, this journey, you're going to start here and you're going to end here. At limitations this specific, or yeah, exactly. constraints so, or, yeah, right? So, yeah, I think limitations would be the, uh, the kryptonite. Nice. Um, Harold, in business, what do you value most? That's a great question. Um, I value integrity uh, over any other value. Um, I believe it's the uh, cornerstone of doing good business. Um, and I really love the quote from Warren Buffett. You can't make a deal with a bad person. <laughs> that's great. I, integrity is a really, and that encompasses a lot of things, integrity. So that's, I, that's one of my favorite words, actually, Harold. So kudos to you on that one. Um, so, Al, what do you most appreciate about what technology has brought to us? I think inclusivity and connectivity is one of the biggest things that technology has brought to us. And when I say these two very, you know, key words are because we are able to be part of a larger world now because of technology. You know, we are included in a lot of different conversations, <clears throat> a lot of different knowledge, you know, a lot of different cultures because of technology that we weren't able to have before. You know, and, and, and again, communication is so key. We have found this year that communication and technology play such a huge role in the human experience that it, it, we can't be without. Imagine, you know, having gone through last year without the technological advances that we've had, we, have, we would have all gone nuts, right? Yeah. We were able to not just surpass, but succeed in a lot of ways because of the technology that we had during these times. So it, it, it's key. Yeah. 
Um, Harold, last question for you guys. If you could have created any innovation, idea, or technology that currently exists, what would you love to have been credited for creating? I love this question. Well, Great question. Well, I was going to say the internet, but I think someone else uh, has already claimed that one. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is Al Gore did that, didn't he? Um, <laughs> for sure. When I think about, um, you know, uh, innovation, technology, what's really changed uh, the world more than anything that I would have loved to have claimed is a high-speed broadband to the home uh, and mobile. Um, I mean, that's had a truly profound impact on everyone's lives. If you look at this pandemic and we didn't have high-speed broadband to mobile to the home, it would have been an absolute disaster. And it's, it's truly been a paradigm shift uh, in the way that we communicate and the way that we are able to um, you know, get things done uh, around the globe today. Well, th I think that's a great time to wrap it up. I want to thank you both so much for being a part of our show today. Thank it's you, been absolutely Chelsea. fantastic. It's fun to listen to you guys talk about what you do, really. Um, and thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in to future episodes. We'd like to share some gratitude to our sponsor, T-Rock. T-Rock is a retail branding and consulting partner that supports companies in navigating through today's retail shopping experience, redefining the power of people and technology. T-Rock offers a unique combination of people-based services, applications, technology management, mystery shopping programs, actionable market research, and competitive insights that support the complex needs of assisted selling. T-Rock's expertise in next generation technology is delivered by a team that's all in to drive sales, optimize performance, and deliver measurable ROI for businesses every single day. Visit trockglobal.com for more details and definitely to hear more about what Al spoke about, Viba. If you're a first time listener, you're enjoying what you hear, we ask you to subscribe and make sure to tune back in for future episodes. Until then, we will see you at the intersection of people and technology. All right. Thank you. Man, you guys were